Welcome to Peak City Church. We pray that this message fills you with hope and encourages you wherever you are. Also, follow us on social media at Peak City Co. to stay connected with us. Be blessed. That was a little embarrassing. So, like Derek said, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And anytime I'm up here, I just like to take a moment and just say, I'm not the head pastor, okay? I'm not the guy who normally is up here preaching. That is Petey Kinder. Petey is gone this week on a much-deserved vacation, all right? But while I'm up here, I just want to um, just give you a little peek behind the curtain into... um, my friend, and to our lead pastor, Petey Kinner, because if you've been here for any length of time, the person that you see up on stage, the man that you see who knows um, the Bible front and back, who's a good leader, great public communicator, he, um, he's also going to be watching this at some point, so he's real handsome, he has great hair, he's so good at it, but I just want to let you know that the man that you see up on the stage is also the man that is off the stage. Yes, God has blessed him with many things. God has blessed him with gifts of public speaking, leadership, all sorts of stuff. But the reason that he's excelling in those things is because he's a hard worker. He's leading this church. And the reason that this church is growing and expanding and doing great is because he's chasing after Jesus, which in turns mean Peak City is chasing after Jesus. So congregation, I just want to let you know, Peak City is in good hands with Petey Kinner, all right? And that's something to celebrate. All right, let's, let's celebrate that real quick. All right, enough about Patrick. So when I was thinking, um, talking with him about teaching, he said, hey, you're gonna teach on something, but it's not gonna be a sermon series. It's not gonna be part of a series. I just want you to teach on something that God's been saying to you. And I'm like, well, it's a lot easier, Petey, if you just tell me what to say, all right? So he's like, just whatever God's been saying to you. So as I'm reading scripture, as I'm thinking through it, this one word has been popping up into my head over and over again. And that word is father. And maybe it's because I am a dad. Maybe it's because I have a dad that I love, but it's this word father. And as soon as I say it, I'm sure it's stirred up some emotions within you, made you feel some type of way. Because some of you in here, maybe you have an incredible father a father that you love, a father that sacrificed for you. Maybe some people in here, um, they didn't have an incredible father, but you would say that your father was just okay. I mean, maybe he wasn't around as much as you would have liked. Maybe he wasn't as intentional as you would have liked, but he still got the job done. You're still here. Or maybe you had a father that wasn't incredible, that wasn't just okay. Maybe your father was lousy. Maybe there's some abuse, maybe there's some physical or mental abuse or whatever type. And if that's you, I just want to say I'm sorry. That is not the type of relationship that God intended for us to have with our earthly father. And if you get nothing out of the message today, your time today, just know that we love you, that we are here for you. If you want to talk about any of the trauma that you've experienced with your father, we're going to have a prayer team up here up in front that would love to talk with you, love to pray for you. I'll be out in the lobby. I'd love to talk and pray with you. 
but we've got emotions and feelings that um, come about when we think about our father. Some that would bring, if, if I were to put a microphone in front of every single person's face in here and you were to tell us about your father, there'd be some stories that would bring a tear to our face because of how sad they were. But some that would bring a tear to your face because of how incredible they were. And so in turn, it stirs up feelings and emotions about God the Father. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. We're gonna look at this question, walk through it. What kind of father is God? What kind of father is God? I know what kind of father I'd like him to be. I'd like him to be a rich father that spoils us. I remember growing up in the 90s, I had um, some people that lived on my street that had one of those big electric cars that you could sit in, drive around the driveway or backyard. And I didn't want one of those, but I wanted a John Deere tractor. I wanted one of those, and guess what? My prayer and my ask is still the same. I still want a big old John Deere tractor that I could drive around. And I would, like, I, I would love to just go to God and be like, God, give me that big old tractor. And he'd be like, okay, there's your tractor. And while we're at it, I would love to have kids that don't whine or complain about things or don't argue. I'd love for him to just be like, and just give me those kids that don't whine or complain. I think we would all love that. We all know what kind of father we want, what kind of heavenly father we want. But what kind of father is he actually? What kind of father is he actually? Is he an absentee father? Did he create us? And then did he walk away, leaving us to fend for ourselves, not caring if we're a success or if we're a failure? Is he a helicopter dad? Is he one of those dads that you see at the soccer games that are just hovering over, making sure that we get things correct? If, if someone's gonna bother us and, and we're doing the right things, he's kicking people out of the way to make sure that we're getting all the right opportunities. He's involved in everything. Is he a father that changes or is he a father that's constant? Is he a father that is for war and vengeance? Or is he a father that's loving and accepting? So to answer this question, we are gonna be in Luke 15. It's my favorite story in the whole Bible. It's a story about the lost son. You're probably gonna hear me say that, that this is my favorite story over and over, and I, advance, I, and, and I apologize in advance for that. But it's my favorite story. See, I just said it twice. So we're gonna start in Luke 15, a little bit of backstory, we're gonna start in verse one. All right, so here we go. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and teachers of the law, they're like these hypocritical, smug, religious, elite guys. They just go around judging people. That's all they do. That's like their job, just judging. And Jesus is spending time with the sinners which is what he does best. He's loving on everybody. And Jesus is dropping knowledge on people right here. And I love the way he does it. He does it in a way where he's not saying, hey, you're gonna do this, but don't do that. He's teaching them in parables. A parable is basically a story. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so he's making them work for the answer a little bit. He just doesn't come right out and say it. So the first one we come to, first the first parable we, we come to is in verses three through seven. It's about a lost sheep. Shepherd 
goes out. He starts doing his shepherdly duties. 97, 98, counting his sheep, 99, no 100. Got 99 problems, but a sheep ain't one. He can't find it. Where's the lost sheep at? So wouldn't you know it? The shepherd, he leaves the safety of the 99, and he travels out, and he finds the lost sheep. Picks it up, carries it home, and celebrates. Woohoo! Lost sheep party. Next one. Next parable we come to. It's a crazy coin lady. The crazy coin lady, she's got a coin collection. She's counting them. She's got 10 coins. Seven, eight, nine. No 10. Where's the 10th coin? So she puts the, the nine coins in a safe spot, goes and searches for that 10th coin, sweeping through the house. She eventually, she eventually finds it, throws a lost coin, celebration. Woohoo! I've got my 10th coin. It's time to celebrate. Then we come to this third story. And this third story is a little bit different. Because in the first story, it's about sheep. Sheep are dumb. It's unfortunate that the sheep represent us in this story. So we can have passion for the sheep, I guess. Okay? The second story is an inanimate object, a coin. Therefore, is not at fault for being lost. Crazy coin lady's fault for being lost. Third story is about a son. Third story is a person, and he can think, he can act, he can talk, and that's exactly what he does in this story. Let's pick up here in verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Man has two sons. The youngest goes to his father and says, Dad, I'm not getting any younger, and it seems like you're gonna live forever. Why don't you just go ahead and cut me a check? Just give me the money, and really what he's saying his dad essentially is, I don't care about you, I only care about your money. He's telling his dad here, I want your inheritance. He's telling his dad here, I wish you were dead. And what is crazy about this story is the dad says, okay. The dad gives him his inheritance. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. What's interesting here is he says, a few days later. That means the son was intentional. It means the son planned out his escape. It means he backed up the U-Haul. He took everything with him because he was never intending on coming back to see his father. He, and it says a distant land. We don't know what that distant land is. We don't know where it is. We can probably assume it's Vegas. He went there. He had all this money. He spent it on girls. He spent it on cars, houses, probably some drugs involved. And some translations say squandered. Squandered his money basically means he took his money, threw it up in the air, and the wind blew it away. Where's your money lost, son? I don't know. The wind took it. It's all gone now. Probably looked a lot like the movie The Hangover. It was a crazy scene. Then things really turned bad for the son. About the same time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Now, I've never been involved with a famine, 
Never experienced a great famine. The closest I've ever been to, and I'm sure everyone can relate, is at the beginning of COVID. When you go to the grocery store and the shelves were empty, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, is this the end? Is this the end? What happens here? And I even had friends and I had family that I could call on and count on and knew that could help. This guy's got nothing. He's alone. He's hopeless. He's lost everything. The money's gone. The car's gone. His house is gone. He's experiencing something he's never experienced before. He probably can't pass a drug test. The only job he can get is feeding pigs. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. There's absolutely nothing lower to Jews than pigs. It went against their convictions to be around them and especially to eat them. And for him to be longing to eat the things that the pigs are eating, I mean, that's rock bottom. There's nothing lower than that. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, just imagine sitting there listening to Jesus tell this story. And they're like, yeah, that's right. That boy gets what he deserves. If he were mine, I'd have been out on him a long time ago. They probably thought that the story was even going to end there. But Jesus continues. Jesus keeps going. Because that's not the type of God. That's not the type of father God is. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He's homesick. He's hopeless. He knows he has no other alternative. It's rock bottom. So he's like, I know I can't go home as a son, but maybe I can go home as a hired hand. Maybe he will hire me as a servant. So he starts to write this speech. He's owning everything. He's not coming back with excuses. He's coming back with ownership knowing what he's done, knowing the hurt that he's inflicted on his father. So he returned home to his father. This is the best part of the story. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Incredible, incredible. I love this image. I love the image of the father. Coming out. Now, he's on his porch, I imagine. And how was it that he was able to see his son from a long distance? How was it that he was able to run to him? Because he's sitting on his porch every morning. I imagine him sitting in a rocking chair, looking off in the distance, waiting for his son to return. And when his son returns, he didn't wait for his son to walk all the way up, the walk of shame, walk up to the porch. And he didn't shake his finger at him, make him. Think about everything he's done. Rehash everything. Uh-uh. He didn't do that. He didn't tell his servants, hey, when that boy comes back, turn him away at the gates. Don't let him come in. He made his bed. Now he's got to lie in it. Uh-uh. He didn't say that. 
when he saw him coming home, he ran to him, which is crazy too, because in these days, it was undignified to run. But he hiked up that gown, he ran to his son, and he embraced him, he hugged him. It was embarrassing, I'm sure. He'd been waiting for months to do this. He's kissing him all over. And the son, the son finally goes into this speech that he's preparing, hoping to talk his father into this plan. So he returned home to his father. Oh, I just read that verse, sorry. Verse 21. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. So here he is. Here's the image of his son standing there. He just got hugged by his father. He's standing there smelling like pig feed. He's, smelling, he's standing there penniless. He's, he's just waiting, not a nickel to his name. His father hears the first part of the speech and he knows he's not coming back with excuses. He knows he's owning it all and the father cuts him off. Here we see the father give him instantaneous forgiveness. We see the father instantaneous grace. Then the father goes into party mode. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Heaven is rejoicing. A sinner has returned back to God. It's filet mignon time. Get him a robe for status. Get him a ring for authority. Get him sandals for only the servants are barefoot. It's time to celebrate my son who is now home. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. He asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back. And your father's killed a fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slayed for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? The older son is furious. He's upset. You welcome him back, Dad? I mean, do you know what he's done? Remember he said he hated you? Remember he took your money? He lost it? He's, he's dragging our family's name through the mud, and you're welcoming him back? The older brother thought he had deserved the father's blessing. Thought that he had earned it. But the father still goes out and begs him to come in. The love of the father is extended to both sons. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This story is incredible. It's unbelievable. I love it. It's also painful. I don't know if um, anybody in here 
has ever walked through somebody, walked through a family who had somebody run away before, leave the house. Um, I know a family who had a son run away. Man, it was tough. It was sad. Looking them in the eye, knowing the pain that they're going through. We would pray for a reunion like this. The reunion with the lost son and his father. Because this is the type of reunion that God is offering us. This is the happy ending that, that we all want. And, and reading through these three parables, um, I feel like God was just sharing a few things with me. And I want to share those things with you. All right, in the first parable, the verse that kept coming to me over and over again about the sheep is Luke 15, 7. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and turns to God than for 99 righteous who haven't strayed away. See, the shepherd, he had his 99 sheep, and they were healthy sheep, they were good sheep, but he knew the flock wasn't complete. So what he did was he left the 99 and he went and found the one lost sheep. He knew that the, that the sheep couldn't make it back on his own. He fought for that sheep and he found that sheep and brought it back. Jesus is saying here that he is the lost shepherd. He, sorry, Jesus is saying here that he is a shepherd. He is a good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep that are safe and goes to find that sheep that is lost. Because he knows that we can't make it to God on our own. We can't make it back on our own. Jesus has to be the one to do that. There's no way to God the Father except through Jesus Christ the Son. The second story. Second story, we have the lost coin. The intensity of the search depends on the value of what's been lost. The intensity of the search depends on the value of what's been lost. You ever lose something, turn the house upside down for it? I lose a sock, no big deal. I'll go sockless or I'll go mismatched socks for a little while. But if I lose my truck keys, I'm flipping couches, I'm flipping cushions, I'm finding those keys. I lose a four-year-old boy at Great Wolf Lodge, I'm flipping people, I'm pushing water slides over, I'm finding that kid. Jesus is saying here that we are crazy valuable to him. And when I say lost, I mean spiritually lost. I mean, we've wandered away from God and we can't find our way back to him again because we're separated from him. And the reason that we're separated from him is because of sin. Sin's what separates from him, from him. But Jesus is saying here that the search to get us back was intense. And then this third story. The third story, we, we have two sons. One who was lost far away and one who was lost close in. Both in need of a father going out to them. One running out to the road one right next to the house. And this line that I came across is this. He was away from his father's house, but he was not away from his father's love. That's gold, isn't it? He was away from his father's house, but he was not away from his father's love. That's a great line, but it's also a big one. It's a hard one sometimes because God's love is extended to everybody. He loves every single person. But he's not forcing his love on us. He's not forcing us to love him back. He will let us leave. He will let us ruin our life. 
He will even let us go to hell. But that doesn't mean he isn't waiting for us to return to him. That doesn't mean he isn't waiting for a reunion where he can embrace us. See, he loves you. And this third story, this third story is the best story. This third story is different than the first two. See, the first one about a sheep. Sheep gets lost and the sheep gets a search party. Second story is about a coin. The coin is lost. The coin gets a search party. The third story, the sun leaves. Where is the sun's search party? Why did he get a search party? He's a person. We see in the story, it is the older brother's responsibility to go and find his younger brother. He doesn't do it. Instead, he stays home and he whines and he complains. I mean, you've seen the movies where something has gone horribly wrong, all right? Somebody is missing. People are combing the streets with flashlights. They're calling out the name of the person, and eventually they find him and they celebrate. That is the older brother's responsibility. He's supposed to do that, but he doesn't. And here's the good news for us. The good news for us is that Jesus was our perfect older brother. Romans 5.8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. It was the greatest search party the world had ever seen. God, our perfect father, sent a one-man search party to rescue us, the perfect older brother. And he was not gonna be stopped. He was whipped, he was mocked, he was persecuted, spit at, and he was even nailed to a cross. But nothing was gonna stop him. And the mission was deemed victorious when he walked out of that grave three days later. Nothing was gonna stop him from completing this search. And that is something that we can celebrate. That is something that we can feast over. That is something that can help us answer this question. So the question, what kind of father is God? God is a loving father who did the unthinkable to save us and bring us back to him. You know, I think when it comes to this topic of a loving father, I think I, think I have a little bit of an advantage because I think I have the best dad in the world. He's an incredible dad who sacrificed for me. Um, is he a perfect dad? Heck no, he's not perfect. But I've seen time and time again where he's made sacrifices. One, uh, one, one kind of funny example is uh, when I was little, I was in elementary school, I still had a big appetite. And I ate too much, I got constipated, then my parents, they, did, like, I, they just knew that I was laying on the couch for like three days. They didn't know why I was crying. But eventually they took me to the doctor and the nurse is like, all right, you're gonna have to take an x-ray of your belly. They gave me this big old, it seemed like this big, a giant cup of x-ray juice. It was a chalky, gross substance. And they said, you gotta drink that whole thing for this x-ray. So I took it and I got like a quarter down. I'm like, I can't do it. My belly is too full. I can't fit any more in. My dad paid the price. He took it and he chugged that whole thing down. It was disgusting. Then the nurse came back in. She said, you did it? I'm like. <laughs> and then my dad paid the price again about two days later when Rotor Rooter had to come to the house. 
But see, I can look back on examples like that with my earthly father and see the sacrifice that he made for me. And I know I can run to God, our heavenly father, at any moment. And I know there's some people in here today and you're thinking, I never had that example. Never had that example of an earthly dad. Never had that person I could follow. I don't, how do I know that I can run to him at any moment? Or maybe, maybe you haven't hit rock bottom yet and you're enjoying your time right now. And you're like, why would I want to run to him? My life is good. My life is good. Or maybe you're just the experiences that you've had with your earthly dad and you're like, man, like it was too rough. And I, that's the vision I have for my heavenly father. And so I wanna tell you today that there's a person here at Peak City who had the, that line of thinking. She told me her story and she gave me permission to share it because I think it'll help some people. Her name is Madison. She serves on the Connections team. And when you meet her, you would think, man, she's the kindest, most caring, gentlest person I've ever met in my life. And you'd be correct. She is that. She is that. You would never guess that at the age of 12, she would, she would start taking drugs, which led to start dealing drugs, which led then at the age of 16, she was in a gang initiation. And this initiation, it was a drive-by where they'd be driving at nighttime, lights are off, and then if someone flashed their brights at them, that person was now their target. They'd follow that car, gun them down. And so what happened was she's in the car. She's driving with some friends, some gang members, and she's got her head down. Someone flashed their brights. They turned around, started chasing their target down. And at that moment, she's got her head down. She hears a voice say to her, I'm not finished with you yet. She looks at the person sitting next to her. He's like, what? I didn't say anything. So she's like, all right, maybe I'm crazy. So she puts her head back down. The car keeps going. The voice says again, I'm not finished with you yet. At that moment, she knows exactly what's happening. It's not the person next to her. It's no one else in the car. It's Jesus Christ talking to her, saying, I'm not finished with you yet. So what does she do? She does the only thing she knows. She takes her gun, she drops it, she opens the door, she jumps out of the moving car, and she runs away. Runs away from the gang, runs right into her heavenly father's arms. That is an incredible story. Incredible. I'm so glad Madison shared that with us. And what I love about it is, she knew at that moment that she could turn away from the gang and run straight to God. And I love it because you can do the same thing. You don't have to change before you go into our Father's arms. You can just run straight to him. You can run to him penniless, smelling like pig feed, no money, hit rock bottom, and he will embrace you. He will give you a hug and he will celebrate you. He will put a robe on your shoulders. He will give you a ring and he will give you sandals.
I wanna let you know that today you have the opportunity to do that. You have the opportunity to turn to Jesus, to join his family. I know there's people in here today and you would say that you're not part of God's family. And there's people today that you would say you are part of God's family. But the only way that we can become a member, a child of God, is by confessing with our mouth and believing in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. When we do that, that's the only way that we can become a part of God's family. The other thing I wanna give you a chance to do is, because if you are a part of God's family, there's some of you in here who haven't joined the search party yet. And it's time to join the search party because we know there's a giant city out there of people, Colorado Springs, who are just waiting for someone to come and find them and tell them who their true heavenly father is and what he's done for us. So that's what we're gonna do today. And as we pray, I'd like to ask you guys, please stand up and let's close out in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are here with us, Lord. Thank you that you paid the ultimate sacrifice, that you are the perfect older brother who did the unthinkable to save us. Father, we know right now that, man, that you love us. And Father, I wanna ask today, Lord, that you give people in here the courage to make the decision to follow you, the courage to make the decision to join the search party. And so if you are here today and you say, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to become a son of God. I'm ready to become a daughter of God. On the count of three, I'd love you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you, hands down. If you are here today and you say, man, I am part of God's family, but it's time for me to join the search party. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to find people for you, Jesus. If that is you, let's raise your hands on the count of three. One, two, three. Great, hands down. Father, we love you. Father, we are thankful for you. Thank you, Lord, for the people that have raised their hand. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust in who you are and who you say you are. We love you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for weekly recordings of Sunday service and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for weekly audio recordings and podcasts.